As many of you who were here last week know, we're embarking upon a series about relationships. We're using this book called Conscious Loving. And, uh, you know, it kind of started out a little different than most books do about how to embark upon a new relationship. Because really, we're spending a couple weeks here talking about old relationships. And you might sort of wonder why we talk about old relationships. And um, one place to start would be a joke about them, I think. So, uh, <laughs> so you know, we'll get started with a joke. So a, a, a man, I met a man who had been married for 66 years. Amazing, I said, 66 years. What's the secret to such a long, happy, and productive marriage? Well, he replied, it's like this. The man makes all the big decisions, and the woman makes the little ones. Really, I responded. So does that really work? Oh, yes, he said proudly. 66 years and so far not one big decision. <laughs> that, that's one of those jokes that, that snatches itself right out of the jaws of misery at the last minute, right? But why is it, do you think, that so often when we talk about relationships, it is about these dynamics. It is the little points of control. It is the little points of, you know, is someone somehow valued or participating more than someone else? So often I think our relationships are anything but the easygoing kind of non-judgmental love that we would wish and instead we find ourselves in these areas of our own lives that are kind of uncharted. Now last week, last week um, I brought out the spotlight and we took a look at some of the things from our past that can make us go unconscious, right? Uh, last week, uh, you know, the title of this book is Conscious Loving. And in order to understand our own selves in terms of consciously making decisions about religion, uh, religion, about relationships, <laughs> It's important to also recognize what we have going on in our relationships right now, the things that might even be unconscious. And of course, when I brought out that spotlight, what happens when we bring out a really strong light? <laughs> Could someone help me here with my little bit of a prop? Okay, if we can unroll this. Thanks. So what happens when we cast a really strong light? Sometimes we can... Now, this wasn't that hard earlier. <laughs> Don't you love props? It's like you should rehearse them 10 or 12 times. Okay, so what happens when we pull out a really strong light is sometimes it will cast a really long shadow. And the idea behind the shadow here is that the shadow are those things from my past. This would be my personal shadow here. The things from my past that might still be there. Things that often aren't even visible to me. I mean, if you normally think of a shadow, right? The light might even be such that I can't even see it. And so here are these things from my past. Some good, some bad, but largely unknown or unconscious. And I put it to you that it's like the inertia that sometimes comes in other aspects of life, right? If you don't do anything, inertia will keep you moving along, right? We don't have to consciously think about breathing, right? It just moves along. We don't have to think when we get into the car every morning, 
you know, let's see now. First I have to turn the key, right? And then I have to do the parking brake. Now when we were 16 or 14 or whenever, <laughs> whenever they first turned us loose in a car, these were things we had to really think about. But today, whether it's walking up steps, in fact, I was reading in a medical journal that some doctors are amazed that we can actually go up steps because it is one of the most finely tuned areas of, of motor skills that human beings can possibly develop. And, and it's almost a miracle that we can go upstairs, and yet we don't even think about it, right? After the first few times that we learn how to first maybe crawling our way up, and then when we're a little older, we go up and down the stairs. I tell you, it's inertia. We don't have to think about those things, you know? It's learned behaviors that are very productive for us. Uh, and there lies the rub. Because learned behaviors can also produce this shadow life I've got here. So I wanted to read to you out of this book what it says about the idea of this shadow. These things from our past that can interfere with our own ability to have loving relationships right now. Think of you and another person standing in the light of the sun. You have yourselves and you have two shadows cast where each of you has blocked the light. There is the relationship between the two of you as real authentic people, and there is the relationship between these two shadows. The shadow is the part of us that we do not know about. It is the hidden repository of all our old feelings and patterns. You come into the relationship bringing a shadow with you, as does the other person. And if you and the other person do not look into what these shadows contain, your relationship will be between the shadows and not your authentic selves. All right, now, um, you know, a minister gets to, part of being a minister is living their lives in public. And so I'm, this may be way more informative than you want. But for the purpose, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, okay. But uh, but for the purposes of illustration, last night I did something kind of profound, and I invite you guys to do it as well. I tried to think back in my own life all of the things and previous relationships that have a bearing, I think, on my relationships today. And I put sort of the four key ones that I see down on this shadow self. And I'm just going to share a couple of them with you today because I don't think I actually have to go very far. Some of you will immediately oh my, will say, oh my God, he's describing me because I think some of these are fairly common issues that we all share. But I think you'll also be able then to go back into your own lives as well whenever you choose to and take a look at some of these things that make up your shadow. So the first one that I put down there was simply the phrase, not good enough. And for me, it started when I was about 12 years old, when I started getting the worst case of acne that you can imagine. From about 11-ish um, till, now get this, 26, my face was a constant term. I mean, it looked like pizza. It was really, really bad. Now, you wouldn't imagine today. I mean, my complexion is pretty good now. But can you imagine, as you're embarking on your first sets of experiences with dating, trying to fit in in college, and you're absolutely ashamed of the way you look? 
And you know, it doesn't just stop there too. Because of course, whenever we believe a thing, we start gathering information that will support it in the world. So it wasn't very long before I started thinking, internalizing, well, I'm also not very good at sports. And because of the way I look, people aren't going to choose me for the debate team. And before long, I had this long list of actual reasons, I thought actual reasons, why I wasn't good enough and spent a good many years in my youth proving to myself that there was something missing, that there was something lacking, that I wasn't quite smart enough or good-looking enough or powerful enough or whatever it was. Okay, I want to talk about one other thing on my uh, shadow down there, and that one is uh, simply an event. My father died when I was about between seven and eight years old. And I got to tell you, Due to the circumstances, it felt a lot like I was abandoned. Um, at the time, I lived down in Newport, and they had to air flight him up to Portland, where the, you know, the, the kind of medical aid that was appropriate was to be had. My mother came with him. He was in the hospital for about a month. So for about a month, Larry was sent off to live with the grandparents. Then father died. And it really did this interesting little number on me around the people who love you the most are likely to leave. All right. Now, I've got to tell you, uh, first of all, let me just, before you all are thinking, oh, poor Larry, I need to invite him over for dinner. He needs some good home cooking. <laughs> um, but let me reassure you that the lovely thing about shadow work is when you can identify things like that. And I've been working on these issues, you know, in the past and, and come to some great resolutions on them. When you work on things like this, you'll notice those ideas are well identified now on this shadow, right? So even though the shadow is there, I know about those things. But what if I didn't? Can you imagine, if you look back in my life, what some of my first romantic relationships were like during my 20s. Think about it. Not good enough, not worthy of having anything very good, and this fear of being abandoned. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine anything worse and clingy and, uh, and you know, uh, whatever you say is okay with me? Can you imagine? Oh, my first couple of romantic relationships were absolutely miserable. You wouldn't even recognize them in me. And that's the good news. The good news is that when you're aware of these things, you can choose a different path. If you're not aware of them, right, someone new presents themselves into your life, whether it be a new coworker, a new friend, a new boyfriend or girlfriend, and they start saying things that are the opposite of what you imagine. Maybe they put you down or dishonor you or something like that. If you're speaking from this shadow, what do you do? Well, you're really not worth very much, are you? So you just internalize it. You allow them to disrespect you. You're just kind of quiet about it, right? And uh, if it's someone that's totally unsuitable, this fear of abandonment, no matter how unsuitable they are, right? You're like, no, no, please don't. But, but... When you live from that place of conscious choosing, when you live from that place of being aware of the past and knowing that it's just a shadow. 
knowing that it has no current power over you, knowing that you can make different choices, have more loving relationships, you are absolutely set free. If not, what happens is, you, first of all, you begin a process of withholding. First of all, you begin by withholding your essential truth from whatever the relationship is, right? Because you know that you're not to be heard. So the first thing you would do, if someone in those days was critical of me, I would have just, you know, like, okay, you know, how can, you know, how can I do better? Even when there wasn't anything for me to do that was different or better. So the first thing you do if you're living in that shadow world is to simply withhold the authentic you because you're allowing your shadow to take over. And your own opinions, your own thoughts, your own validity, the own innate goodness and perfection that is in you, you just allow it to subside. You just allow it to not be a part of you. And typically what will happen is you'll actually get quiet about it. When someone tells you that you're not quite good enough, when someone brings up something from your shadow self, Typically, what you will do is nothing. And when you tacitly tell someone nothing, what are you doing? You're agreeing with them. You're creating even a little bit longer, I don't know if we can imagine a longer shadow, but you're actually strengthening that old shadow self, that old resolve that you're not good enough, you're not lovable, you're whatever it is that isn't quite what it needs to be. You're actually, by not speaking up, you're saying, this is true. This is true for me. You're giving that power of your own destiny, your own inner light. You're saying, no, they know better. And my, and my previous past knows better. The next thing you do is you begin to withdraw. Because after a while, right, how can you be close to someone that is saying the opposite of what some, some true perfect part of yourself knows to be true? So even in your most loving relationships, you can only stuff a certain amount of this pain, of this untruth, of, of, of these, I mean, literally kind of accusations, if you will, you can only stuff so many of them, and then you begin to back up. And after you've backed up a little bit and you keep stuffing more and more, can you imagine, I mean, you can probably get a really graphic picture of this, when you stuff way too much into a small container, what happens eventually? Right. And in the most inappropriate ways, right? I mean, it might now and then be appropriate if you actually blew up to the, to the actual people who have caused this pain in your life. That might be appropriate in a way. And you know what? That almost never happens. I think of it as our emotions just slipping out sideways, right? We can't do what is appropriate and not actually process the emotions as they happen with the people that, that are participating in this relationship. Instead, what? We look for evidence out in the world that the world's an unsafe place. We begin, you know, the, the excess emotions just creeping out onto the other people in our lives, right? Very messy. Very unpleasant. Okay, so enough of our shadow self. How do we speak our truth, right? Because one of the reasons I figure that we don't stand in our truth, that we don't allow that inner light and that, that inner integrity and knowledge of who we are to shine, I think is because we're afraid that someone is going to deny it, that someone is going to cause us pain like the pain that created the shadow self, and so we're going to keep it inwards, right? But what I'm telling you here is you don't have to be confrontive. 
You do not have to deny anyone else's feelings in order to state your truth. So let's imagine that I'm embarking upon a, a new relationship. Let, let's say, you, you know, a new friendship. I've met someone here at the center that's kind of intriguing and I want to get to know them a little better, just as a friend. And so we go out to lunch and not too long into the lunch, um, my new friend, my new p potential friend anyway, says something that really is against what I believe. Maybe they say something like, uh, uh, I'm amazed that you're a minister. It seems to me that being a minister is just a, a terrible life, and all these needy people are always bothering you. <laughs> now, now i got to tell you, there would have been a time, of course I couldn't have been a minister then, but there would have been a time that I probably would have looked down, right? Because friendships would have been everything to me. I wouldn't have been wanted to abandon, even with a friend that I only knew for a few hours. So I would have probably either not said anything, not addressed the issue, or I might have even given a kind of tacit agreement. Oh yeah, the job is kind of hard. You know, ministry would be great except for the people. <laughs> All right, I guess I'm having trouble even making that sound ring true, but, uh, but you get what I mean. Instead, though, so very easily I could instead say, and this isn't insulting the other person, that probably absolutely is their idea of what ministry is. You could, you could say something as simple as, oh my word, you know, that's not my experience. I can certainly see where you're coming from, but my experience is that ministry is lovely. My experience is that so many of the people that come to the center are really finding it as a, a place of their heart. And you know, some of the issues that come up is never trouble because it's one part of God talking to another part of God. Do you know what I mean? It's so easy to speak my truth when I'm aware of the alternatives. When I'm aware of those things that might cause the conversation to go another way. Now, you might think also that this would be easier with fresh people. Like, I don't have a relate in my little story here, I don't have a relationship yet with that person. So maybe it's easier to get started, you know, best foot forward and all. But what if it's a relationship that you've had for a long time? What if maybe it's a partnership that you've been in for some time and things are not going well. And you already have these little tacit agreements like, well, I won't talk about this if you don't talk about that, right? Do you know what I mean? Or, or you handle the finances because every time we talk about money, you know, all hell breaks out. I want to tell you, when you do that, you're doing that stuffing mechanism. When you're doing that, you're allowing the shadow part of your two relationships to dictate unsafe territory. And if this relationship is truly based on love, the two of you can build a path to safety. And once again, I tell you, the place to start is simply in a gentle way, in a kind way, but in a very straightforward way to stand in your truth. 
If the touchiness is around money and somehow the budget comes up, you can even specify your own trouble with talking about it. You know, really, be, be kind of microscopically true. Just say, you know, I know in the past we have not talked about our family budget. And even just bringing it up today brings up feelings from like when I was seven years old and my parents used to fight about money. Bring the shadow right out into light, right? But what I know is, I love you, and it's important that we as a family discuss our financial affairs. Do you see how straightforward that can be? It's like an invitation to be loved rather than, you know, <laughs> you're doing it wrong. So you can stand absolutely in your light. You can stand in your truth. You can validate the emotions that you're feeling in that moment and set up the dialogue for something new, something different, something profound to happen that can center your relationship, whether it be a new one, whether it be one that you've been in for 20 years, it can help you center it in the light of spirit itself. Now, the promise of this book early on is that if you, you know, if you take in the knowledge in this book, and, and by extension then what we're covering on Sundays here, that your relationships will improve even with uncooperative partners. And I love that it said that in the book. And what that means is when you're speaking from a place of authentic truth, it's going to call that place out of the people that you're in relationship with. They... You know, everyone on this planet can sense authentic truth and light. And it's that, it's that call to greatness that each of us just can't let it go unanswered. And so when we do begin dealing from the heart, when we do begin talking in that authentic way, literally speaking our truth about our emotions in that moment-to-moment -moment way, your partners, your friends, your loved ones over time, we'll begin responding from that same place. How can they not? All right, let's take a breath. Whew. All right? Now, the reason I said take a breath is because I think everyone in this room probably has some kind of a relationship that isn't going quite as well as we would like. And this is the call to go into uncharted areas a little bit, isn't it? It is the call maybe to say some things that haven't been said in a long time. It is a call to maybe take a different tactic, you know, not to just let our feelings be repressed, not to just allow ourselves to be walked on or ignored or something like that. And there can be some fear associated with this. I want to assure you that even these baby steps, though, of speaking the truth just about how you're feeling in the moment will begin to change the picture. The truth cannot be denied. Even though this shadow exists in my life, once that light was shined on it, once I could literally identify some of those major things from my past that have that potential of creating problems in my life right now, that mere act of discovering them of labeling them and knowing that they don't define me today. They may have defined me in the past. They may have even played an important part of my life in the past. But I get to choose freshly. 
each day, with each relationship, with each loving face that comes my way, I get to make new choices. I get to be aware of things that might tend to lead me down a path that I don't want to go anymore. And that's okay. That's why the shadow is a useful thing. That's why it's, it's kind of fun and useful to plot it out, to know what can be driving you. And then it's simply the awareness that that was you then. This is you now. So I'd like to close with the, another reading from this book and a prayer. And a little bit of homework too. Let's sandwich the homework in after the quote here. Many people go through life thinking that their relationships just happen to them. They think of themselves as billiard balls being knocked around by random forces. To understand that you create your relationships out of your unconscious feelings, needs, and patterns, that shadow self, is to take a giant step forward in growth. Once you see that you are in charge, well, you're in charge then you can consciously design what you want in your relationships. You can have intentions rather than leaving it to the primitive forces of your unconscious shadow self. So for homework this week, are we all aware even when those stuffed down emotions and thoughts and feelings are even bubbling order, uh, bubbling over, sneaking out sideways, uh, one of the little pieces of homework is simply to look for the signs of this. Do you find yourself blaming others? Do you find yourself numbing out maybe an extra couple cocktails on Friday nights? Do you know what I mean? Maybe I'll just spend the day in bed today. Do you find yourself numbing out? Are there power struggles in your relationships? Now, now, most good counselors will tell you that for an initial part in a relationship, maybe for 6, 8, 10, 12 months, there is a little bit of dynamics going on as you find the rhythm of how to be with one another. And sometimes that can seem like, well, is she exerting more power? Am I exerting more power? You know, it can feel like a little bit of a, a power issue. But those same people tell you that if you're still doing it after five years, there's something else at work here. And then finally, and this one I think is very poignant when you see it in the people around you, are you or the people around you finding themselves in chronic illness and accidents? Because one of the ways, if it can't spill out onto other people, if our repressed emotions, if fear and doubt and hatred, you know, if, if we're conscious enough that we don't let it spill out onto the friends and family around us, do you know what it does? It turns into disease in our body. Sometimes it will even cause us literally to have accidents, to be that klutz that's always falling down and hurting themselves. So I want you to look for these signs, first of all, of repressed emotions spilling out into the world. And if you find those in your life, then I simply want you to do the most simple thing as possible. And when you are interacting with someone and like your button gets pressed or you're, you're feeling that urge to go into those old patterns where you would stuff that emotion, where you would allow someone else to prevail, even though you don't feel that way, I simply want you to, in a very quiet way, in a very simple way, in a very calm way, to state the truth about what you're feeling in that moment. You don't have to imply that anything needs to be done about it. 
You know, if this is feeling a little touchy for you, if you're a little fearful that this might bring up something bad, let's, let's not worry about that because you are going to do it in a gentle and a very true way to your own nature and that will cause the other person to respond in that same way. So simply stand in your own truth. Simply say something like, when you say that, it reminds me of the way my father used to talk to me. Or, or, you know, when we get into this area, you know, in the past, often an argument would erupt. And so I'm almost fearful as I say this, but what I know is true for me right now is, and just state your truth, just very simply and matter-of-factly. All right, so a little bit of convoluted homework, but I think next week... Uh, Reverend Sharon, who's going to be speaking, is going to talk about some more very specific ways, I think, that we can begin addressing these shadow issues and moving our life into a more conscious and absolutely more chosen path of events and loving relationships. All right, so let us pray. There is one power. There is one presence in this universe. It is this thing called God, and it is this power of infinite love. And what I know about love, what I know about God, is that it is present in every person, every place, everything, every relationship. God is right there in the center of it. And this loving God prevails. I know it's true in my life. I know for each person in this room that as we begin to be more conscious about our shadowy past, as we become more conscious of the things that have happened to us over the years and the relationships that we have seen in others, as we become conscious of these, we become ever more wise in the choosing of our own futures. And so, for right now, I know it is easy for us to release fear. It is easy to settle into that goodness that is God, that is love knowing that with each passing day, relationships get better, that we're more mindful of making choices in what we say and what we do that is ever more authentically us. And I am simply grateful for this, simply grateful for God showing up as the beautiful people in this room. I simply let it be, and together we say, and so it is. All right, thank you very much.